Take out your Bible and let's turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 17. I want to bring a message this morning entitled, The Unknown God, the plus in the gods of Athens. My dear brothers and sisters, let's today consider the unknown God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for the changes that you have wrought in our hearts, even as we have heard today and testify ourselves that you came, that you died for our sins, for our sins that separated us from you, and you rose from the dead, and you offer us life, life that we could never achieve on our own, but life that we receive because we've been forgiven of all of our sins, because Christ died in our place. And we praise you that we serve Jesus Christ, who is not still buried and in the grave, but he is alive. He is in heaven, and one day he will come again and bring us to be with him forever. And Father, we ask that you would encourage our hearts with this, and that you would encourage our hearts with the teaching of what was before us in Acts chapter 17. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. The Statue of Liberty has stood in New York Harbor since 1886. It was a gift from the country of France. In 1903, a plaque with a sonnet entitled The New Colossus was mounted on the pedestal that supports the statue. Here are a couple of lines from that sonnet. From her beaconed hand glow worldwide welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And through the years, many people from all over the globe have come to America. America is a melting pot of peoples, cultures, interests, ideals, and religions. And in many ways, America is similar to the place in which the Apostle Paul preached. That's recorded for us in Acts chapter 17. That place was Athens, Greece. The cradle of Western civilization, the birthplace of democracy. Athens was a city-state run by elected officials who were responsible to the citizens. Athens was a place of literature, philosophy, and art. Athens was the intellectual capital of the ancient world. And it's here that the Apostle Paul preached Jesus Christ and the resurrection And as he proclaimed Christ in Athens, we must proclaim Christ in America. So let's hear what Paul said and take note of how Paul said it. And we're going to consider this passage in three points this morning, all of them from the viewpoint of the Athenians to whom Paul preached that day. First, in verses 16 through 21, we'll see that the Athenians were mesmerized by what was new. They were mesmerized by what was new. Luke, the writer of Acts, summarized the Athenians in this way. Look at verse 21. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. You see, Athens was always expanding. It was always advancing in new thoughts and ideas. People didn't sit around talking about things that used to be. 
They had the mentality not to preserve the old, but to discover the new. That's not to say that there was no place for the old. Athens, as you might know, had the temple to the goddess Athena. The temple with the god Athena that stood on the Acropolis. It was at the highest point in the city there. The people worshipped Athena, but Athena was not the only god that was worshipped in Athens. Athens was full of idols, and Paul says that he saw those idols. Look at verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. One person quibbed about Athens that it was easier to find a god than a man there. You see, Athens had a lot of gods. You say, what is a god? A god is any being or object that someone believes is of supreme importance. A god is anything a person worships. And that's how Paul describes them. Look at verse 23. He said, I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. A god is what someone worships. And in some places... In cultures, people actually physically bow down to worship. It seems that people bow their heads at least a little when they're looking at their phones. Well, you see, anything can be a god. For example, in, our, in recent times, we might not have thought that health was so important But when you read the editorials in the newspaper, when they have people screaming about seeing someone out and about not wearing a mask, kind of makes you nervous when you take your trash to the curb. (laughs) Athens was full of gods. It was a very religious place, therefore. Athens was full of worshipers. And when you hear that, Athens was full of religious people, full of worshipers, we might think, that just sounds great. But not according to the Apostle Paul. He was deeply troubled, and he sensed that he needed to speak up. That's what he does in verse 17. Therefore, having seen the city was full of idols, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. And in the marketplace, every day with those who happened to be there. So Paul spoke to the people. Athens was full of gods, but Paul realized that it lacked worshipers of the true God. So we spoke up about Jesus and the resurrection. And like you might expect, the Athenians who loved everything that was new, the Athenians were interested in what Paul had to say. Look at verses 19 and 20 where they say, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Athens was full of idols. It was also full of seekers. And they realized that what Paul was teaching was something they didn't know. They characterized what Paul was saying as this. He is a preacher of foreign deities. They weren't familiar with the God that Paul was talking about. And I personally believe this is especially true in the American conversation about God. The Christian God is foreign. It is a foreign concept in America. And I'll illustrate that later in the message. But for now, just chew on the thought 
that the true God may be a foreign thought to people. The Athenians realized that. And they wanted Paul to explain this new teaching. So they brought him to the area Opagus. That was the place where the intellectuals met to discuss things. These Athenians are mesmerized by things that are new. Secondly, this morning, they, the Athenians were met with Paul's new teaching, verses 22 through 29. Athens was full of idols, but Athens was unaware of the true God. And what's fascinating about Athens is for all the gods that they had, they knew that there might be a God that they'd missed. Notice this in verses 22 and 23. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Athens had a lot of gods, but they didn't want any god to be left out. Let me, for a moment, give you some common examples that have the same idea, the same concept. How many of you have been to Arlington National Cemetery? Some? All right. So you've been there. You've seen perhaps over 40,000 graves for individuals who have fallen in the course of this nation's conflicts. And we have names of those individuals. But perhaps when you visited, you also visited the tomb of the unknown soldier, the tomb that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what you have between those 40,000 graves and the tomb of the unknown soldier is all the fallen are remembered. You see, the tomb of the unknown soldier makes up for all those missing, all those who aren't identified. Another familiar example is from the LGBTQ plus community. As you know, these letters stand for ways that people identify themselves. And the plus sign at the end of this designation for the community is meant to demonstrate the inclusive nature of the community. No one is supposed to be left out. It's LGBTQ plus. And it's the plus that covers those who may be missed by the L or the G, or the B, or the T, or the Q. So now in Athens, let's consider the altar to the unknown God. That's the plus of the gods of Athens. It was Athens being inclusive. And what the Apostle Paul does is turn this admission of ignorance, an unknown God, he turns this admission of ignorance into an opportunity to share about the true God. Look at verse 23. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So they needed to know about the God that they had missed. And that's why Paul preached. That's why I preach. I believe people need to learn about the true God. I say that as if it's exceptional because it is. Many religious people all over the nation today are preaching about being good and how about being inspired to do good. They hardly, if at all, ever talk about God. But people need to learn about God. And the Athenians were made aware of the true God, verses 24 through 29. And as we get into what Paul said, 
I want you to think for just a moment. What would Paul say about God? How would you describe God? I was recently at a wedding where the wedding party was introduced, and a simple statement was said about each person in the party. And that made me reflect on how do you describe people? I mean, how do you describe the person who's sitting next to you? Obviously, he has a lot of characteristics and he has done many things, but how would you summarize him in just a few sentences? I want you to consider how Paul summarized who God was. Look at verses 24 through 28, and stick with me as we read a lot of verses all at once. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, so that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And what is repeated in Paul's statement is that God is man's creator. No one created God. God created everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, the land and sea, the fish, the birds, and the animal kingdom. And most significantly from our standpoint, God made man. God is the designer of everything in the universe. And let me for a moment distinguish that and contrast that with the theory of evolution, a theory that the Athenians didn't know. But we know evolution argues that the universe is the result of an explosion, the Big Bang, and a lot of time, a lot of time. Over billions of years, things evolved from simple entities to complex entities. Everything is a result of chance. Nothing is designed except what creatures have designed over lots and lots of time. Now, there are a lot of scientific problems with this idea that Pinocchio naturally turns into a real boy, but one of the basic problems with this idea of evolution is that there is design all around us. For some reason, people think that cars and computers have creators, but living beings like you and me that are far more complex just happen by chance. You know, mathematically it would be far more probable that your phone was created by the elements just coming together at random than that you came together at random. Because you're far more complex than your phone. You know, if you look around, or if you think about the fact of looking around, you can observe very quickly that things aren't the result of an explosion aren't the result of chance. Man was made by God, and man was made for God. Look at verse 26 and 27. God made from one man, Adam, every nation of mankind, verse 27, so that they would seek God. See, man has a sense that he depends on his maker. 
God gives man life and breath. Man needs God. It's not the other way around that God needs man, as if man created God. And there's the punchline. Notice the punchline of what Paul said in verse 29. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. It must have been that this is one of the thoughts that was absolutely foreign in Athenian thinking. They had idols, which they had made with their hands. And they would pick those idols up and move them around. They would build temples for their idols. They would worship them. And without people, the gods of Athens wouldn't exist. But the true God that Paul proclaimed didn't live in temples or depend on man. Instead, he controls man. It says, even to the very fact of where he lives and when he lives, God is in control of all of that. Man doesn't control God. God controls man. And that thinking was foreign in Athens, where people had their created gods. It's the man-made concept of the gods that America shares with Athens. And to prove that, just think with me for a moment. Have you ever heard that the church needs to get with the times? The old beliefs about God need to be modernized. The church needs to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community and champion social justice. You ever heard that before? I have. Church is behind the times. But there are professing Christians today who have updated their beliefs. And the issue here is that people have abandoned the fundamental truth that God is man's creator. God is not man's creation so that people are able to update God as we might give a software update to our cell phone. God doesn't work that way. And it is outrageous to think that you and me, little specks in this huge universe, could help the Creator God by informing Him, by updating Him, by working so that He will become woke. God does not need to be woke. He doesn't need to be updated. So the church that needs to keep up with the times has abandoned the whole belief that God is the creator of man. God's man's creator. And as man's creator, God is man's commander. Verses 30 and 31. Paul says to the people, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. You see, for years... Those in Athens thought their gods were of their own making. They were under their own control. But now they're learning from Paul that God made them. And that God was out of their control. God made, controls, and commands them. And it's all people without any exception. Say, well, what, what does God want of people? It's quite simple. They are to turn away from worshiping other gods and to worship Him alone. And Paul, in verse 31, gives a very good reason for us to take that command seriously. 
Verse 31 says, Because God has fixed a day on which he'll judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. God is going to judge those he has made to seek him alone. And all are going to be judged by the one man whom he has raised from the dead. And the one man is the man we celebrate today, Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, buried in a tomb, and three days later was raised from the dead to life again. That's the Easter story. And it's the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ by God the Father that is the proof that Jesus will be the judge of all mankind on the judgment day. That's the point that Paul makes here at the end. Jesus isn't dead like all the other founders of many other religions. Jesus is alive. He's seated at the Father's right hand in heaven until one day he comes again to establish his kingdom on the earth and judge all mankind. Now the Athenians, they were mesmerized by everything new. And they were indeed met by Paul's new teaching about this creator God. They had a lot of gods But it was that unknown God. It was the plus in their array of gods. That was a whole lot more than they had thought previously. Now what are they going to do with what Paul preached? Well, lastly this morning in verses 32 through 34, the Athenians were mixed about their new teaching that they heard. Some people responded by mocking, verse 32. They're like many community neighbors that I've spoken with. They didn't believe that there's anything beyond this life. People die. Their bodies are buried. That's it. Some people wanted more information. Verse 32 says that some people said to Paul, we will hear you again about this. Now, it would be really nice to think that these who said this were truly interested in what Paul said. But they really saw no reason to change their thinking that day when Paul spoke to them. And to that end, I want to just tell you a story about three demons in training who were taking their final exam before Satan, obviously a fictitious story. Satan asked these three demons in training what lie they were going to whisper in the ears of people so that they wouldn't turn to God. And the first one answered in this way, I'll tell them there's no God. Well, Satan said, well, that won't work. Because people realize that God exists because all that he made, that they see every day. Well, the second one said, I'll tell them that there's no life after death. There's no heaven, there's no hell. And Satan said, that won't work. People have a conscience. They have a sense of what they ought to do. They ought to do what's right or else. Then the third said, I'll tell them there's no hurry. And Satan declared, excellent. People will be fooled into thinking there's plenty of time to change. And hell will overflow with lost some people mocked some people said oh we'll get some more information 
But we learned last, and very encouragingly, in verse 33 and 34, some people changed their minds. It says, some men joined him, joined Paul, and believed. Obviously, there's lots more that we can learn about God. There's lots more that Paul could have told them about God. But what Paul had given them about God was enough for them to realize that they needed to repent. They had worshipped other gods, and they needed to turn to the true God and worship Him alone. In many ways, America is like Athens, full of gods. America is a nation with Lady Liberty standing with her torch in New York Harbor, welcoming. And America is, is full of worshipers. But even with that said, even as you think about your neighbors, America is full of people who are interested in the new. It has to make me think that people still wonder. They don't know. They're not sure they've found something that's actually true, something that they can stand on, something that they can live for. They still think maybe there's something unknown that they still need to learn about. They're not settled in their beliefs. They're still content to to learn more, to explore. And what Paul says on this day is, it's time to come to terms that there's one God, one creator of all things, and he commands all to repent. That's the God that you need to know. That's the God that many of us have come to know. And I encourage you today, if you don't know that God, you haven't turned from your sins to him to do so today. Father, as we consider this, we are thankful for this message that Paul preached in Athens. It feels very close to our current situation where we live. Father, this passage does two things for us. It explains quite plainly how unique you are and how, un- how unlike all the other gods you are. You made all things, and that sets you apart from everything else. And that makes you more valuable than everything else. And Lord, it also, besides calling us to, to embrace that, it causes, calls us to tell other people about that. So Lord, give us the confidence that we need to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He's not simply a good teacher, a good man, someone for us to muse about and consider a few things about. He is the one who came, died for our sin, and rose so that we could have life. He will come again to bring all who love him back to be with him. And Lord, we look forward to that day. Give us the grace we need to encourage others to embrace him now. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.